bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brianna, my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hi to the people. Hi to the people. That's very funny today. Hi to the people. <laughs> Yo, okay, you want to know? This that, I mean, it is cartoony. Yesterday, yes. out of nowhere, <laughs> I had the hardest chicken ever known to man, and I literally cracked a tooth. Yeah. Like, no, seriously. I it was, was like so an earthquake in my mouth crack. Like, you know what I mean? When it cracks the earth, it's literally in the back of the molar. I so many questions. First of all, where did you get this chicken from? Second of all, what type of chicken was it? Third of all, are you suing whomever you got this chicken from? Can I sue key food? Yeah. What was this? Did you buy an already cooked chicken that was hard as hell? No, it was, it was uh, like you, we made it ourselves type of chicken. And then it was still super hard? Yes, yo, like... I don't know. You want to know? Okay, so my my friend goes, mm, maybe it's because I've been staying for a few days now. I really need to go to the dentist. Like, I need to make my appointment. I'm feeling a little safer after COVID to, like, actually make an appointment. Mm-hmm. And I've been half-ass about it. I've been, like, I've, I remember, and then um, I still need to call my insurance because I have a new insurance and figure out the best provider. So whatever. Um, she goes, what if you cracked it because... The universe was like, uh, girl, um, you've been stalling too much, crack two. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> like, oh, you don't hear us. Okay. Oh. okay. You're not hearing me right now, son. So you know <laughs> what? Bet, shorty, I've been sending you signals. Bet, you're going to learn today. Hard ass chicken. chicken. <laughs> Yo, I mean, I would love, I, I would love to see someone. I just, no, like, for, let's, first things first, let's get an appointment. You know, figure out the, the, the tooth situation because it's still a little sensitive. I have like, um, you know, those like uh, uh, Amosol. I have that on it. And I then thought also a week ago, I tried a new toothbrush. It was the first time ever that I tried an electric toothbrush. It's like a vibrator in your mouth. Wait, what? So <laughs> did it cause the earthquake that eventually cracked my tooth? That is. Of the first time I tried an electric toothbrush, let me just tell you how upset I was at this sensation. Because I, first of all, I have very sensitive teeth. So for me, anything cold, anything like I'm that person that it bothers my teeth. Anything mm-hmm. too cold, too hot, whatever. I was so afraid of this damn thing because I turned it on and it was like a freaking, what do you call it? A jackhammer. It was like a, like it was not a soft, like peaceful, like mm, no, it was like a like the thing was shaking, and I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to brush my highly sensitive teeth with this? Are you And now, I can't stand not using it. No, I get it. Like I, um, I liked it. Like the first two days, I really liked it. I liked how, um, like how it just made me feel afterwards. So I was like, oh, I could see myself continuing, but I think I need a medium setting type of like to because mine has two settings on and off (laughs) that's it on and off uh you're either on fire or this thing is not on at all yeah right and i'm like i need uh, you know how they have brushes that are like hard medium soft um do they have 
like the, the, the I bet you that there's a baller like electric toothbrush that has all crazy kinds of settings. Like soft, like stupid mad soft, hard, stupid mad hard. Like you just yeah. press the I want people have no sensitivity in their teeth. Those people that can like bite ice cream. Like I've seen people that bite ice cream and I'm like, you don't love yourself. Those people have no sensitivity in their teeth. They can use they don't care if there's an earthquake in there. They don't care. They just they let their whole body shake. Oh my god, you froze in the most adorable way again. Catherine, your computer freezes and makes you look amazing. You're frozen. If you're talking, I can hear you. So call me back. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be uh, back right we'll be right back after these messages. And we're back. Remember that thing yeah. you know, it reminds me of like after these messages, we'll be right back. I miss that little jingle. I, I love that joint. I love that joint. That used to make me happier than the show coming back. I used to be like, oh, here comes the jingle. <laughs> I want to use it for everything. Like, I want to pause conversations that are too boring and just be like, after these messages, I'll be right back. Kisses. And then just, like, bounce from there. That's, like, the friendly equivalent of wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it up. <laughs> have you ever had to give somebody like the wrap it up sign in like real life when they're talking to you because i have like i legitimately yeah. have to like get to the point i guess i have i think i do it more with my eyes yeah okay I guess I, that. yeah yeah i kind of giving you like i it could either be a very nice version or and i, I think that one has to do with producing because you've seen it like when i want to move on sometimes <laughs> i will do something with my eyes but i'm just kind of like and i'm nodding but yeah. i'm also kind of like um it's doing? like eyeball morse code you're like all right yes. hurry up <laughs> That's my producer nice version. Is that rude to do? Do you think that's rude to do to somebody? I feel like if somebody- Wrap it up? Yeah, I feel like if somebody's going on and, or not getting to the point, like, I, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but it's also like, dude, I need you to speed it up. Like, get, get to what you're saying quicker. Yes, it is considered rude. I don't, I, uh, I understand you. So oh. I'm like, I get it, but yeah. like, it's considered rude. And I know it's considered rude, but like, sometimes you're just like, can we get to the end? Like, can you get, like, tell me what you want to tell me. And here's why. I want to know what you want to tell me, and then you can color it in. But let me see the outline. Yeah. That's how I feel in my head. Sometimes I'm like, this isn't a movie that I need to watch chronologically. You can give me the end. Unless you're telling me a joke, it's not a punchline. Like, you can give me the end. Give me all the pertinent information and let's move on from here. I don't need to know the shirt that someone was wearing in the story that you're telling if it doesn't have anything to do with the point of you telling me the story, which is so crazy that me and you were like that because traditionally the stereotype about women is that we love to tell these long, drawn-out stories that have no point and we don't know how to edit it down. Um, I was about to say, I mean, I talk like that, so... I also can deal with people who tell me to wrap it up. Cause if I, if somebody cues me, right? Like if you do that to me, I'm not offended because I do it. So then I will go, okay, um, I'll get to the end and then I'm gonna, and I'll tell you, but you need to hear this part too. So I'm gonna tell you that anyway. But if it's like somebody who doesn't tell me that, some people do like hearing the whole story. I sometimes do have time for the whole story. I'm like, yes, I want to hear it chronologically. Other times, if it's like an urgent thing, like yeah. I feel like 
or I'm in an urgent situation, like I need to go or something needs to move on, then I, that's when the wrap it up comes. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. I think Ooh. our guest is here. <laughs> One of my favorite people. I absolutely love this guy. I'll do a little brief intro to him while I figure out how to get people in. I'm going to fix my light. So. Every, every week, I, I have to figure out how to let people in from the waiting room. I just... I think it's this okay cool okay i found it again i found it yet again well you guys will know this person um i've done a couple of lives with him uh when i'm in cali you know him from working with fluffy he's in the fluffy movie he's on uh every season of fluffy's uh stand-up revolution he hosted those seasons you guys know him and love him martin moreno i'm gonna let him in right now into the zoom <laughs> i did to see him i'm so excited i haven't seen him in forever ah! Oh my God! I'm so glad we are uh, we are up and running. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. I miss your face. It's so good to see you. This is my girlfriend, Catherine. Catherine Martin. Martin. Catherine. Hi. <laughs> How are you? How is everything? I'm blessed. That's good. You're blessed out there in Cali. Um, I'm, I miss I miss my Cali fam. I miss you and Cheeky and the whole the whole crew over there. It's always good to see you guys. Now, me and you, do you remember when we first met? I'm trying to remember when we first met. I know it was, it could have been Stand Up Revolution. It probably was Stand Up Revolution. You know, we met during Stand Up Revolution. Because I'm like, we've worked together so many times now that it's yeah. like kind of piece what? together where we met. What was Stand Up Revolution, guys? Uh, for those of you who don't know, Stand Up Revolution was a show that uh, Gabriel Iglesias had on Comedy Central. And Martin was, I guess you would say, sort of the resident host of the show. You were part of every single show. You started yes. off the show. You guys did skits together in a show. What was that experience like working with Comedy Central for you? Was that your first time working with them? It was my first time. And I got to tell you, to, to backtrack on like first meeting you, when uh, they said Gina Brione from New York, the Bronx. And I was like, such an asshole. I was like, oh, one of them bodega chicks. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. You called me a bodega chick. I remember that. Yeah, because everybody in New York or, or in, in, in the East Coast is always talking about bodega this, bodega that. And I go, oh, she's one of them bodega comics and I didn't shit. I didn't take you know? it as an offense. I was like, oh, word, bodega's dope. <laughs> like, I couldn't even get mad. I was like, bodegas are amazing. I'm so glad he brought that up. I can't wait to get home and go to a bodega. And you absolutely smashed it. Um, Stand Up Revolution was the, it was like a, uh, a show where Gabriel showcased a lot of uh, comedians on Comedy Central was in, I wanna say this was 2010, was uh, season one. It ran for three seasons. And wow. when we first started, he asked me, he says, do you wanna do a set or do you wanna be like a co-host where you got a podium, you're in every single episode? And I'm like, well, holy shit. You know, I wanna be in every single episode and just, you know, sit here and talk shit. Some of the stuff was in the moment. Some of it was written, you know, there was some writers and things like that. And uh, it was a ridiculous experience because it was at the same time that the Fluffy Shop tour took off and we went on the road. So it was a show that was, there was a show on television. We're on a freaking tour bus. We're traveling the country. Um, Dane Cook had just had a huge tour. I think it was uh, with Jay Davis and all them guys. And they were on a bus as well. They have the Tourgasm, I think it was. Yeah, Tourgasm. And they, they were the, like, they put it all on, on video or a lot of it was on video 
and you saw these dudes just like going from place to place. And then at the time also, I think the other comedian that was on a tour like that was Carlos Mencia had just done one where he had a tour bus that was right. He had Mind of Mencia was on television and killing it. And so you're seeing all these dudes do that. And all of a sudden you're doing the same freaking thing. Uh, At that time I'd been doing comedy for maybe 10 years, which was like a ridiculous opportunity. You know, every time like, you know, just, man, I, I, I don't want to keep on saying blessed, but no, say it all you want. It's true. It, it sounds so sarcastic, but it really isn't. It's like I just feel like I was very fortunate. Uh, who am I kidding? I've been fortunate my whole life, Gina. You know, just uh, one one freaking blessing after another. So yeah, it was uh, it was a ridiculous experience, and yeah, that was the first time we met. And then after that, uh, you went out and did some shows. Uh, yeah here and there you did some uh some spots on the tour and then eventually you ended up being on the tour uh which is like freaking tremendous like yeah that was an incredible experience but i remember just all of us sharing stories and talking in the little bit of time that i was on before i was officially on the tour when i got to just i was lucky enough to go out with you guys before it was such a cool laid-back vibe and i always loved hanging with you and you've always had incredible opinions on things and so it's always good to talk to you we can't wait to throw some stuff at you today but i'm gonna start with our first three questions we always start with a rapid fire three questions you can answer them however you see like whichever in whatever order of importance whatever you think is more important you answer it first um but these are your three questions where are you from what is your zodiac sign and how did you get started as a comedian where am i from i am from a town called wilmington california um over in the in the south bay a harbor area which they call it uh it was a crazy ass hood it still is a hood uh people refer to it as wilmas um, till this day in 2020 there is still no starbucks where i grew up um when starbucks says fuck your hood it's pretty much a hood yeah um i don't use that as like a badge of of honor or anything like that i was never a gangbanger per se i knew who all the cholos were uh, i grew up surrounded by it I was the stoner rocker guy that got high with everybody. Uh, the last thing I wanted to do was be a gangbanger. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm big, tall, but I'm a freaking wuss. Yeah. So I, I always try to make people laugh. Um, grew up in, in, in Wilmington, super, super, uh, I don't want to say sheltered. That's not the right word, but ignorant to so many things everything was closed off like didn't know that there was any type like didn't find that things were accessible per se like just thought that that's for rich people that's for those people like i didn't feel like dude it was a two-bedroom roach infested apartment i shared a bedroom with my three sisters you know there was a canopy bed on one side then there was bunk beds i had twins the twins slept on the bottom bunk and i slept on the top bunk half the room had tiger beat posters of john stamos and christopher atkins <laughs> the other side had a bunch of heavy metal posters and and beer which posters. side was yours oh, well, john stamos, john stamos. <laughs> As it should be, it was the John Samuel side. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it was, it was a really, uh, it was a crazy, really crazy time. I, I remember just being like, just wanting to get out of there so bad, like just, and feeling almost trapped and almost like rebelling against everything. It was the eighties. I thought the world was going to end by the year 2000. Um, I didn't see a purpose in trying to do anything because the world's going to fucking end anyway. Let me just live my life. I wanted to be a rock star, tour, travel, get loaded, catch STDs and die before I was 30. Like, seriously, that's what I thought my life was going to be. Wow. Or that was my dream. That was my, 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 my goals, if you will. Um, I tried LSD when I was around 15, 16. Damn. And I, at that That's point, I already tried a lot of drugs. And LSD, I credit it with opening my mind to a different reality. I remember I was crying really hard. Uh, well, as a kid, I don't care how much LSD you take, you're going to be crying. And what does crying mean, real quick, for people like that have never taken LSD like myself? What like is myself. Yeah. Uh, hallucinating, just, uh, but also opening up your, your mind to different perspectives, right? So I went and I looked in the mirror and my face was melting. And I remember just washing my face and I couldn't stop from melting. And I was just like, breathe, keep it together. I went in the living room and the house was a shit show. It was just, you know, packed. There's so many people living in this two bedroom apartment. And I remember the melting went from being my face in the mirror to I saw my dad drinking in the kitchen. I saw my mom cooking and doing, making tortillas or whatever the hell she was doing. And I saw the mess that was that, that home. And then all of a sudden I saw my whole existence melting into this future. Like I could see myself being my dad in the kitchen. I could see my wife making the fucking tortillas. I could see the roaches running around. And I was like, it scared the shit out of me to think that that was my future. To think that there was no escape from Correct. life. And I felt like my life had melted into that. And I, I made it a point to leave as soon as I could. I, I, I just wanted to get far away, as far away from there as possible. My sister, who was younger, stayed and, uh, you know, got her college degree and pretty much took care of the family. I was the oldest, but she literally took on that role. In a Latino home, the oldest always is supposed to, like, take care of the, the, the whole chingadera. I didn't. I was, you know, call it selfish, call it part of that experience of the, on LSD that day, but I left. And I, you know, there was times where I returned, but I, I, I tried to leave uh, as far as I could, trying to run from becoming that. Uh, so that's where I came from. That's a long-winded-ass answer for question number one. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. Well, yeah, it had examples. It had experiences. Um, that was great. So your other two are, what's your Zodiac sign, and how did you get started as a comedian? So my Zodiac sign, uh, March 21st, I'm on the cusp with Aries and Pisces. So the Full moon was in, in Aries last night. Uh, if you wanted to do your manifestations and your magic, uh, that's when you did them last night with the full moon. You can do them anytime, really. Um, I'm a brujo, bro. I, I, 
You know, you know me, Gina. I always try I something different. And lately, I've been brujeria in it up, yo. Brujeria in it up. That was a very hard phrase to put together. I get brujeria in. That's always a good one. I like Brujeria in it up, yo. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's um, I was actually hanging out with a, uh, a Santera, you know, like my bruja. I got a bruja now. Wow. Uh, I go to her pad for uh, to do the misas. I don't know if you've done a spiritual misa before. I have not, but um, I know people who have. I've, I've not. Yeah. Yeah. So I recently found a sister that is older than me that I had never met before. There was rumors about her existence, but we met through uh, she. Uh, my sister's on Ancestry.com. She was on Ancestry.com, and they she emailed her. Anyway, long story short. I took the, the, this lady invited me to the Misa. Like, first she asked me if I wanted sage. I was like, yeah. Then she says, I do this, I do that. And I'm like, hey, fucking send me up for Olympia. I'm, you know, I'll try anything, you know? Yeah. And she's like, no, you can't do Olympia without doing a reading first. She goes, why don't I? Oh. She goes, why don't you come to anybody that tells you that they can do that is lying and just trying to take your money. So she invited me over for a uh, Misa Espiritual if you will. I went over there and uh, she didn't, she had told me to bring a guest. She, this, I didn't introduce this chick as my uh, sister. She could have easily been my, you know, my girlfriend, my friend, whatever yeah. it was. They start talking to the spirits, yo. And all of a sudden my dad showed up and took over that Misa and he's dead. And, you know, he kept her a secret forever. It was really wow. intense and it made a believer out of me. Did before, you do that after you? Did you do that after your reading? Did I do what after the reading? No, no, no. The, I just, um, the Misa. No, no, no. It was first the Misa. The Misa was my first introduction to, introduction to all of it. Oh, interesting. I hit up my friend who's Cuban, and this sounds so racist, but I'm like, yo, man, you know about Santeria, right? <laughs> go, hey, come on, this man. Thing. You're the go-to on Santeria. <laughs> I go, I go, hey, man, I need some advice. I'm going to this thing they invited me to. And she goes, well, take an amethyst for protection, you know, if nothing else. And I'm like, eh, you know yeah. what? I grabbed an amethyst and put it in my pocket. This is a conversation that I had one-on-one -on -one with this person that nobody even knew about. When I was at this thing and they're sitting there and they're blowing smoke and they got this freaking boveda and they got these, these, this, 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 uh, burp, this rum and the cigar and the lady's just like, you know, wearing white and she's talking to the spirits. And then they started talking about me and she goes, you, you know, you, you uh, dabble in this, you make fun of this, your ancestors want to help you, but what they believed in, you kind of shit on. And I'm like, holy shit. And they were reading me to a T and they go, you dabble on a lot of spirituality. And um, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you have some kind of crystal or stone in your pocket for protection. The spirits are telling me that you have a stone in your pocket for protection. And I was like, get the fuck. I, I pulled it out and I'm like, yo man, Melanie told me to bring an amethyst. It's not my fault. Like I threw this chick under the bus, right? And, uh, but it, it really was a powerful, like one of those, it, it's not like, oh, you know, you have a relative and his letter starts with the letter E that you have somebody pass. It was nothing yeah. like that. It was super freaking specific. To the point where I'm like, okay, you guys have piqued my curiosity. I'm going to freaking check this out. That's how I felt um, about the reading I had. And, uh, you know, this 
lady was very very precise about everything she said which is what always sparks my interest where i'm like oh you don't sound like this doesn't sound like bs to me this doesn't sound mm -hmm. like you're just making stuff up as you go along that's really Correct. specific information you're giving me which is what i find out so fascinating about that mm -hmm. and so uh so anyway uh i i when i was a kid I had this, and I know I'm supposed to be talking about the Zodiac sign and I'll round, I'll, I'll No, no, you're fine. You got that, you got yeah. the, how did you start as a comedian? You can combine any of those how you want to. <laughs> Go knock yourself out. There's, there's no rules for you. So I, uh, when I was a kid, the, the, the house that we lived in had a tree in the backyard with these flowers. It was uh, Camellia japonica is the name of the freaking flower. And when I would stand under this tree, I would get chills all over my body. And in my head, I thought it was God that was in this tree. And I would stay there for as long as I could take it with literally my, my whole body from head to toe, my having chills. And I remember when I couldn't take it anymore, I would run to the front of the yard, to the front of the house, and I'd be like scared, like, oh shit, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm never gonna do that again. But that rush of energy was so addicting that as a kid, I'd go back there. And I kind of always remembered the tree. I never knew the name of the tree. We were on tour in Singapore and um, they have this like, um, like biodome type of thing with like, a, 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 like a, all the plants from around the world in this self-sustained uh, uh, ecosystem. And, and I saw the flower, I saw the tree in there and I immediately got fucking chills. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking crazy. And I read the name and it said Camellia. And that was the first time I realized what the name of it was. And um, my, my uh, friend, my, my Cuban friend from, from Miami, or from Florida rather, was like, why don't you get that oil? Why don't you get those flowers? Why don't you, you know, this is, you know, and, I, and then like later I saw my grandmother after she passed, I saw her in a, in a, in a mirror. Um, and then I associated the tree with my grandmother and um, like her in the afterlife communicating, you know, whatever the case may be. But a few weeks ago, I went to Home Depot and I bought a fucking tree for 29 bucks, a little one with the okay. same plant. And I had it in the, since in the back and watered it a couple of times, literally just got it recently. And yesterday with the full moon in Aries, I went outside, I took my crystals and I usually charge them but this time I said, let me go put them in the fucking tree. And as soon as I walked out there, and I was smoking a joint, a big fat joint. And I got to the tree and immediately felt the chills, like complete covered from head to toe. Even now talking about it, I'm getting chills. And I, so I'm like, okay, this is fucking bananas. And all of a sudden I start talking to my grandmother. I'm smoking this joint, talking to her. And all of a sudden my dad shows up and I'm like, this sounds insane. But here I am in the backyard with a tree I bought for 29 bucks, smoking a joint with the Aries full moon, talking to my grandma and my dad, which sounds insane. It sounds like lunacy and clearly I wasn't talking to them, but 
I felt them. I felt their presence. I felt their energy. I felt their, you know, and they were both flawed human beings, you know. And, and when I think about my grandma, you know, this is a chick who was a single mother in a small town in Mexico in the 1930s. You know, she was a widow. So she's raised, she had a, a restaurant, she had a bar. Uh, she was a fucking hustler and she did what she had to do, but she was tough as nails. I remember her in her wheelchair later in life, smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer with full blown diabetes, not giving two shits, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but she was a strong fucking chick. Like just, uh, you know, again, for that time, you know, most people would have just folded. And this lady was like, fucking eat a bag of dicks. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm running shit, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I said all that to tell you that I'm an Aries. <laughs> so you consider yourself more of an Aries than Pisces. Okay. Okay. I, as a matter of fact, I, uh, uh, to be honest, Catherine, I, I, I'm, I'm the epitome of the cuss because Aries is traditionally super stubborn and Pisces are traditionally kind of flaky and I'm kind of both. <laughs> You know? <laughs> well, do you know your um? Do you know your 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 moon and your rising? Uh, I do not. Because that will tell you a lot about yourself too. Like if you just look at your actual chart on the wheel, and mm -hmm. you'll see like um that that other part, like what you're talking about, is is going to be more of like your ego and your person, your emotions is your moon, and it's a whole different other like thing to learn about yourself. It's very interesting. And you know what's so trippy is that I, I'm a big, like, I recently just started exploring all that, you know, and people are like, you can't be opening those doors as, as brujeria, you can't be doing this, you can't be doing, people, yeah. you know, essential oils and, and herbs and plants is what is used a lot of times to create, quote unquote, magic. Yeah. And people will say, es brujería, stay away from that. It's like, okay, yeah. wait, here's something that comes from the ground and here's an essential oil. And we've convinced society that that is evil. That oh yeah, because, because magic, um, brujería in specific, santería, you know, all of that has a lot to do with uh, blackness and African people. And there's a big history in that, which is why it's made to... Um, actually be like looked down on to look like it's evil you know what I mean the association to where it actually comes from the one that we're talking about um makes total sense why people think it's like really bad also, and you're yeah. like no you you were told that yeah when you think about it essential oils and things from the earth were the first forms of medicine nobody yes. likes to address that but they think it's ridiculous when somebody's using homeopathic ways of getting better when it's like Oh yeah, you didn't know that honey has antibiotic properties. You didn't know that you know um, garlic has antibiotic properties in it as well. Like you didn't know yeah. all these things because you're so. Or turmeric having the yeah. um like, but I, I'm like inflammation like that it's helps with stuff like yeah. that. People don't under people don't know that, but it makes total sense. It's like half half um religious persecution, but well not religious because it's not a religion. It's a spirituality and it's a belief system. Um, but there's still a a oppression in that, and then the other is like capitalism and why you don't want people to know that these things are actually good for you. So yeah. it's very interesting. But I I also had this conversation the other day with a friend where I had to um remind her that although they have something to do with each other, astrology and brujería santería still are separate things right like mm -hmm. ast astrology it's it's 
in itself almost just dealing with the planets and how they affect us. But um, brujería is when you do start talking in magic and how it changed, like going into your psyche on a different level and yeah. even your ancestors. Yeah. Tapping into your ancestors and that energy, when you think about the Native Americans and all the Indian tribes, really, they really always revered uh, and honored the ancestor. Even when you think about the Hawaiian Islands, they are so uh, all about the ancestors and honoring that energy and tapping into it. Yeah. Yeah. and I don't see anything wrong with that. I think, it's, I think it's fascinating. Now, if that energy has passed on and they're trying to help you in this life, which is a lot of the belief, hey, man, I'll take any freaking hand I can get, yo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I mean, this year, um, this year I didn't do it yesterday, um, but, like, the last um, full moon, I actually have been doing candle magic. Yeah. Is what you're talking about. And so like, I, you know, very specifically, um, but, but I kind of grew up because although I'm my family's Ecuadorian, I grew up in New York City. So my mother um, had a lot of like Dominican friends and my mom was very much into learning about that. So it's kind of how we were raised. So candle magic is something that I didn't realize she was always practicing. Like she just, it was something that later I was like, you know, I learned about this. And I was like, wait, I grew up knowing that. Like I already knew that stuff. So um, lately, I've been doing it more with like white and greens. So it's more like um, finances and also like just positive energy talking to my ancestors. And that's, that was so interesting to myself, addressing things outside to specific ancestors. It was the first time I actually started thinking like, yeah, like if there are people who are and energies that are protecting you, that are guiding you, that can mm-hmm. tell you about yourself. Why not the people before you? But again, it's deep into what we believe and how we see things. I do believe in energy. So I think ancestors and energy have a lot to do with one another. But um, a lot of people think it's so bad. And a lot of people question it because it makes them question their religion. Sure. Right? It's very interesting. It's no, I mean, everything you just said, I completely uh, resonate. It resonates. It, it totally, it, it hits the spot. And I've been finding out so many things, you know. Um, I had a Reiki treatment a few years ago. My sister did Reiki really, for a while. It's pretty cool. It was, it, it was life-changing. It was like a sound bath, Reiki treatment, crystals, guided meditation. It was mm-hmm. intense. And... Um, when the person that was doing it started talking about the archangels and she started naming them immediately, I kind of dismissed it, which was my mistake, you know, because I'm like, okay, here comes all this religion, religious uh, iconography and this belief system on this bullshit that was, you know, put upon us by the conquerors, you know, and, and I'm like, and, and I got really like, I kind of shut it off. And now I realize you know, how ignorant that was. Because a lot of the imagery that's used, especially in Santeria, they use a lot of Catholic saints as the imagery, but they sit there to represent the old gods. So for instance, when you look at a San Lazaro, he's standing in for Babalu, which Mm -hmm. is, which I didn't know, and all of them. And so uh, the archangels 
our north, south, east, and west, and the different properties that each of those directions hold is where the, the archangels, instead of saying the energy that's coming from here, will say the archangel Gabriel, the archangel Michael, yep. the archangel Uriel. And, and so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this motherfucker believes in archangels and the Virgin Mary and blah, 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 yada, yada. And I'm like, just immediately trying to turn her off like this, fuck this shit. You've been bamboozled, lady. And, and, I, and, I, and that was my bad. Yeah. That was stupid on my side and ignorant. Um, and look, I mean, look, Ricky Ricardo was... was Not really, crazy. though. I'm sorry? I was going to say, it's not, it wasn't really um, idiotic. It was actually, um, it makes sense why you felt that way. It makes sense why, you know what I mean? Because you said it's tied to religion. It's tied to, um, and if you are somebody who doesn't, um, buy, like, have a specific religion or has opinions on religion, then of course you're going to be skeptic when something is using an element from that like train of thought. But I, I, I've, I've even had my own like thinking of why is that so? And it makes total sense because sometimes in practices, the way that you can then um, back in the day, doing was masking it as if it has something to do with religion. In many ways, that's the reason why they're not maybe. Oh no, we lost Catherine. She froze up on my screen for a minute. Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, we've lost Catherine. And she was <laughs> on a roll. She was. Oh, here we go. Okay, Catherine's back. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh. Catherine, and she was, you, Martin said it, you were on a roll. Like, continue. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I, I believe I was saying, like, just in general, where, why you, you felt that way. And it makes sense, right? You have to, it's um, a version of deconditioning the way that we look at things off the, on the surface and that there's a, there's a reason for every little element of the things that you've been told and then what you end up truly believing in and, believe, and what works for you. I feel like in that, in, in learning more about it and just learning more about what I already kind of knew, yeah. I realized um, half of it is the reason why at a young age, I didn't buy into full religion, right? I didn't know it was like part of it. But again, my mom, my mom, and like now she would consider herself a Buddhist. My mom taught us everything that there was. She kind of gave us like, the uh, uh, ben, uh, you know, the United Colors of Benetton of belief systems and said, I'm going to take you to all of these. And what do you believe? <laughs> and then it was like, okay, that's on me. That's very unique of my experience. My mom did that. I think that when I hear people like you, I'm like, don't even be so hard on yourself because you were made to feel like questioning of it. Yeah. It's right? I get really defensive because I bought into it. You know, like you see the evangelical screaming Satarakatashanda, that was me. You know, I'm out there, I was doing that. I was screaming off the top of my lungs. And then as I got older, you know, when, when I start looking at the story of the Virgen de Guadalupe in Mexico and the conquest of Mexico and how you have the story of Juan Diego, you, you literally have the conquered Indians the Spaniards came, the conquerors came to shove the religion down these savages' throats, you know, uh, quote unquote. But when you tell the story, you've got this freaking Indio trying to convince the conquerors about the Virgen de Guadalupe. How does that even begin to make sense? You've got the conquered preaching religion to the conquerors and no rational mindset, but yet, the entire country was conquered with the image of Guadalupe. And again, talk about standing in for something. 
Because the Tepeyac, where the Basilica de Guadalupe is, is where they would worship Tutonantzin, the female deity that the Aztecs would pray to. And it's like, they, they, they said, let's get rid of this shit and replace her with this Catholic imagery of this brown, tan woman and get rid of Tonantzin once and for all. And now the Virgen de Guadalupe, I mean, the 12th of December is a freaking national freaking holiday over there. They shut shit down. And again, we're talking Indios preaching to conquerors. I, that, that doesn't, I, I, can't, um, I, I can't defend that. I can't rationalize that. It, it yeah. makes me offensive. And what I love the most about uh, uh, the, 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 the replacing of the, of the gods and things with different images, holy shit, dude, Ricky Ricardo was screaming and chanting to Babalu Aye on primetime TV in the 1950s, when he would play the drums and do Babalu, that was a prayer. I think we lost Catherine again. We did lose Catherine again. What is this about? What? Okay, universe, what do you not want Catherine to comment on? I'm having what? the... No, but I get... I get no, somebody does not want us to have this conversation. Yes, I'm right telling now. you, somebody... somebody is, there is something that's like, oh, this is... This is not what we signed up for today, yeah, guys. We you should be talking for. about Trump having COVID. That's what you should be talking about. We're like, no, we're going to talk about let's, real stuff. Let's talk about deeper things than than anyone could imagine. Because this stuff goes really deep. Like, I had a tia that was into Santeria growing up. And it, that's why it's never bothered me. That's why it's never bothered me when people talk about it. That's not why it never bothered me when people bring it up. Like, she would only wear white to honor her saints. Like that was her thing. She was, she never wore anything but white. She would always wear white. I grew up knowing that she only wore white. Every time I saw her, I still picture her. She, she's passed on, but I still picture her in white. Like that's all I see when I think of her. She was the one that told me, I remember my, my thing when I was really little, cause I was so, I, to this day, still believe in spirits and the spirit world and everything. She was the one that told me, she said, if you ever feel like there is like a presence, like some sort of spirit near you and you don't, and you feel like it's a malicious, she said, curse at it. Spirits do not like to be cursed at. So if I ever got scared, I would just be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I would just start. I'm thinking how hilarious that must be when somebody's standing in the other room. Oh, yeah, they don't know what I'm yelling at. <laughs> like, Gina just that. lost her mind. Gina, you need to talk about screaming at spirits on stage, yo. <laughs> That is hysterical. Uh, so never in a horror movie, I would just cut the spirits out, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, she is rude." Okay, I was haunting, but this is rude. So funny. It's it's so interesting because I feel like, and um, Gina knows this. So I'll tell you a story about like something that for me that was like something in my adult life that was a sell. I don't want to say a selling point, but my aha moment, like there's something here mm -hmm. and I need to, I don't need to decide to become somebody of practice, like necessarily, but I need to understand it more. It was, um, so like I said, my mom's always kind of like take, um, done piezas on us, like, especially, you know, I'm, I'm, we're one of those families that like does the, the limpieza on new year's wears yellow and then does like the egg she makes us a specific bath that we all have to then do. Like, I grew up with that. So it was normal to me. Sure. But after a really crazy breakup, I wasn't, I, a lot was happening for me. So my, one day my mom was just like, do you want to go get a ring? And I was like, you know, I have been thinking about a limpieza, but I just, 
didn't immediately go to that. So we went. And this lady did give me a, a very interesting reading, but then the limpieza was what was interesting to me because it was in parts, right? Mm. And I had to do it myself and I had to concoct it myself. And I remember at one point, so it was a point because it was every day, I had to do it for seven days, exactly the same way. Um, and there was an entire purpose. One of the days, I just didn't feel like doing it. I just didn't feel like it. But I remember literally telling myself, why have you been humoring it this long if you're not going to see it through? Wow. See it through. What, just do it. Like, girl, you went there for a purpose. Like, tú le pediste a ella esto. So if it doesn't work, if you don't feel any different, then whatever. And if it does, then okay. So I finished it. One of the things she told me was I had not seen this man in months, maybe about a year, I think. And she goes, but when this is done, what's happening is I had three spirits on me. She oh, said, wow. these, yeah, she said these were purgatory spirits. Um, alguien quería separarlos. Somebody wanted to get y'all apart. And they prayed enough for something to come in between, something very heavy. She said, you've, hold, you've been holding on to these at least four years. So it's not something new. It's like you, this has been on you. And it was a very, very bad relationship. She goes, but when I, when you finish this, you will not only be releasing yourself, you will be releasing him. So do not be surprised if he contacts you. And I go, have not heard from this person. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Kind of not really fully believing it. Just kind of like, whatever. I do it. I remember it ended on a Thursday because I started it um, the week before. At, by that Saturday, my friend hits me up and goes, yo, let's go to this event in the Bronx. I live in lower Manhattan. That's super mm -hmm. far. I go, sure. Um, we go. As I'm about to walk in, I go, yo, I don't really want to go inside. I don't, like, I don't have the, the, the want anymore. She was like, why? We were just good. We were just, I just don't have the want anymore. She was like, okay. And I, when we leave, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go inside. We go inside. And as I go to the bar, this man is standing right there. Right next to me at the bar. I've not seen him in over a year. I have not talked to him. It did not end well. She said, you will see him again. It was like a full release. Like after that, everything felt very different for me. Like just the feeling, I felt so much lighter. I did not wake up feeling so like down. And I felt that way for a very long time in that relationship. It was one of the first times that I really was like, no, limpieza was something for me. It, it did something for me. And then um, after that, I talked to her in other ways and had different things. Um, like we built a relationship, I trust her. I, I just think that when people don't, believe in it i'm like cool that's fine that's that's your right but if you're going to open a door see it through sure because you opened the door yeah like you did something right even if you opened your mind a little bit to going to the to see somebody who's actually practicing this has the santos on her wall this is a practice in a basement if there's una mujer that takes you in a car her her roster she literally has a sheet ladies come in she sees them. If she sees you that day, she does. And women will sit there for eight hours. Wait, and wow. I waited six hours to talk to this lady. Own food for her husband's in the backyard doing barbecue. He opens the door. He's like, I want chicken. And we were like, yes, I've been waiting here six hours. So I need some chicken. I would like some chicken. Yes, sir. Because this woman 
ella tiene algo. Like, yeah. tú, tú lo sabes. You know exactly what this is. Okay, and we get done with the ritual and the chicken, we're going to cook it up. <laughs> as soon as we're done with the ritual, we're going to cook this chicken up. Do you guys want some ritual chicken? Does anybody want ritual chicken? You guys want ritual chicken? Okay, there's no ritual burgers. We don't do that here. It's ritual chicken only. <laughs> yes. So, um, plus, uh, but I will say this, and this is something that's really good for people to know. What's your sensitivity to things? Yeah. Because some people can't fully, like what, what my mom says, um, si le abren el ojo, no se te puede cerrar. Yeah. So, that's so true. That is so, that's right? 100% true. And so some people, you really need to open slow. Because if you open too fast, that could hit, some people just don't have, it's a literal mental, what can you believe it? To what extent can you decondition yourself from whatever it is you believe or know or what's been told to you to understand what's, like what's actually yeah. in this? I think a lot of people don't want to see that. They're not ready. Nope. A lot of people are not ready. Can you imagine if your eyes had been opened before you were ready? Because you yourself had to be in a place for your eyes to be open. Well, my eyes continue to pop open. You had to be in a place where you could handle it because so much is thrown at you that you automatically want to debunk. You want to go, no, this is not what the majority believes, so it can't be true because it's not the majority. And so you convince yourself that there's no way that any of this can be true. But then the more you look into the stories, the subject matter, the history, and how it's all tied into stuff, like that, that definitely, that changes you. Just, you, you can't unlearn that. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, the, the story you just shared, Catherine, is, is very similar to a lot of people that I've talked to who have said, this was my experience, this was my experience. For the most part, it's all very positive. Now, with that said, there are people who take advantage because there's so much, the religion is shrouded in so much secrecy and Hollywood has done it no favors in the way that it's portrayed it. It's always like the bad people doing it, you know? And it's always some kind of criminal activity the way that these guys are portrayed or these women are portrayed. Um, and to be fair, you know, I'll be listening to the radio, you know, I'll have the reggaeton station on or some shit. And then it'll be like, ¿Quieres amor? Necesitas suerte. Necesitas oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Llámame al 714, blah, blah, blah. Te mostraré el rostro de tu enemigo. Te regalaré, blah, blah, blah. And so you do have that side of it where people yeah. are completely taking advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And what it does, it gives the real people practicing a bad name. Shit, I've heard stories about Santeros who will tell a woman, you need to strip down to your freaking underwear for me to do this thing for you. And they've taken advantage of them because again, there's so much secrecy that you don't know. And once yeah. you're there, you're balls deep and you're like, well, fuck it. I guess I got to get naked for this crazy fuck, you know? Yeah. He's, yeah. The santero. He's the guy telling me that this is what I have to do. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have given it a bad name and it turns people off. But that's not the majority of what this is. And I think no. that's important. But you do have to recognize that that shit exists. Of course, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that's the reason why a lot of people are also skeptic because there are the gimmicky storefronts, right? The psychic, there are those things. So a lot of other people then, my thing is I, when, when people tell me these things, I can tell if you went to a storefront or like some random, like 
obvious person that I can Google, mm-hmm. like, and somebody who like knew somebody or then tiene una tía. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it, it was like la tu señora, right? Like this was my mom's señora. I can't Google this woman. And I know exactly that like a lot of people don't know that type of person. So when they're, they're like being skeptic, they'll be like, oh, it's because I went to see somebody and I'm like, where? In like downtown Manhattan at some little storefront and you paid $20? Okay, cool. But that's like the, the back end. What you just said, when people abuse it to that level of like literally your psyche, that's even sadder and scarier. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, it's scary. I can't imagine. That's what makes people hate even having these kinds of conversations because they don't look at it as something to be taken seriously. They look at everybody that's into it like a scam artist. Oh, you believe that? Oh, you believe that? Well, people could say that about organized religion as well. And the way I feel about organized religion is like, do I believe in a God? Yes. Do I think I need to hang out with y'all and talk about it? No. I don't I need to hang out with y'all and talk about it. I can believe what I believe and take that home with me. We don't need to have a powwow over some coffee cake about this. I'm good without y'all. Like, I'm good. I can believe it, and I don't need y'all to back me up. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekly, you know, service. I hope you... And I went to church for a very long time, and I still had that same... And I loved my relationship with the church. Absolutely loved my relationship with the church. Still do to this day. But I don't think people understand that I don't view it as a 100% necessary thing when it comes to somebody's spiritual growth or whatever path they take spiritually. I don't, I don't view that as a necessity. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm an Aries. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Right, right, right. So, okay, so he's an Aries. We kind of went off the rails a little bit, but that's fine. So how did you get started in comedy? Well, oh, my God. Good? We haven't even discussed how you got started in comedy. Like, we're just, we're just going to throw that one out. You know what? The discussion went where it went, and it was beautiful and wonderful, and I'm, I'm 100% happy with where it went. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I got started in comedy. Uh, the first time I did any type of comedy was in 1999, uh, end of 99. My whole life, I uh, was fascinated by it. You know, when I was a kid and the book fair would show up, I would get the jokes and riddles book. Um, I was fascinated by magic. I was fascinated by funny. I loved funny. Um, When I got to high school, even before high school, as a kid, I remember I would always try to make my family laugh. There was something about making somebody laugh that, you know, it just, there's just, it's, uh, it, it fires off a lot of fucking endorphins, right? And I, I found that out early. And, um, and I was fascinated by it my whole life. Uh, as I got older, I remember watching the movie Eddie Murphy Raw in the theaters when I was 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, before that, I had seen Paul Rodriguez on television and I was like, holy shit, here's this Paul Rodriguez guy. And it always looked like something completely unattainable. Again, like, you know, when you take into context where I came from, that didn't seem like something that somebody from the hood could do. You know, you you had to go to college, you had to do this, you had to do that. Like, I had no clue what an open mic was, no idea that those things even existed, nor that I had access to any of that. Uh, As I got older, I remember being in backyard parties, Mm -hmm. just 
you know, telling stories, making people laugh. You should do comedy. You should do comedy. And it was always obviously one of those silent dreams. Um, I was taking, uh, I was in healthcare for a long time. I was an emergency medical technician. I wanted to be a paramedic. Uh, two DUIs kind of shut that shit down. Um, and then uh, everything, like I wanted to go to nursing school, PA school, fucking so many things. I was working at UCLA in the cath lab. And uh, ev so everything I knew was um, healthcare. And every time I tried any of it, I, I failed miserably as far as like, you know, uh, but I started taking like Chicano studies, Latin American studies and uh, speech. And speech was always my favorite subject. You know, I thought like, fuck it. I just got to go up there and fucking talk and entertain these monkeys in my head. I always, when, when I saw people speaking, it was hard to hold the attention of the class and people would either start doodling or looking out the window and I was like fuck that so I injected humor into my speeches and I also injected a lot of innuendo I remember my how-to speech was about baking cookies and I made it sound like fucking you know like how you know you gotta wait till the oven's warm then you put it in and then it gets you know they start getting hard like it was just I made making cookies sound like sex and I remember uh, there was this older white dude in the class and he came up to me and he says, hey man, I don't know you. He goes, um, I don't know what your purpose of coming back to school is. Cause at that time I was in my early thirties. He goes, I don't know what it is that you're trying to do, what you want to do with this. He goes, but you're funny. He goes, why you're not doing comedy is beyond me. I go, well, you guys, this was the classroom, blah, blah always making that excuse. And then he said, no, he goes, I go to comedy clubs regularly. Nobody has made me laugh as hard as you made me laugh this semester. He goes, this is what you should be doing. It's fucking ridiculous that it took an older white guy to validate my dream and make me feel like I could do it. it, it that says a lot about my insecurities, uh, but I do recognize that. And I remember the seed was definitely planted that moment. It was already there, but that was, I, I don't want to say planted. It was watered for the first time by somebody outside of my uh, social circle. I got one of those uh, pamphlets that comes in the mail every semester uh, for extension classes at the local JC, at the local junior college. And it had a uh, stand-up comedy workshop. And I'm like, fuck it. I got the information. I went and I remember taking the class. And um, I, when, when you like said, introduce yourself, do you have any experience with comedy, blah, blah, blah. And I remember my whole life, people have called me Martin, Marty, Marn. Uh, my family was the only one that said Martin. But when I grabbed the mic and introduced myself to the class, I said, I'm Martin Moreno. I don't have any experience with comedy, but I was born to be a comedian. That's all. And I sat down and they looked at me like, the fuck is this guy, right? And, uh, you know, it was a six week, six or 10 week, I don't remember how many weeks the class was. And the, the final was a, uh, an open mic with your friends and family. And I remember before I went up, like to me, 
this was like the next step in my life. Like this is, it was more than a workshop. To, I had, that's just how ignorant I was. And granted, you got to figure, I'm already in my early third, late 20s, early 30s at this point. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on my knees in the bathroom before I went on stage praying and, and saying, let me know if this is what I'm meant to do. I went on stage with a bit of an outline of what the hell I was going to say. And it went way better than it should have gone. I got laughs and applause breaks the whole fucking set. I was supposed to do three to five minutes. I ended up, I was up there for 10 fucking minutes. Had no idea they were giving me the light. They're in the back giving me the light. I was so in the moment, I thought, they're taking pictures of me. This is it. I've been discovered. Like, I, this is how ignorant I was to the entire world. Like, I didn't realize it was the light. Like, get off the fucking stage, monkey. It's yeah. not going to get better than that. You just fucking smash. Go. Go away. And I'm like, they're taking pictures of me. This is fantastic. It's just a matter of time. I'm going to be a star, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, it was uh, from that moment on, it, it just... Like everything that I had tried before and every door that had closed on me, all of a sudden, every door started opening for me. Mm. And everything just started lining up, you know. I immediately uh, started getting stage time. I immediately started meeting so many people. And um, I met Felipe Esparza and Gabriel Iglesias early on, months into my, you know, being an open micer, they got me a gig at a theater hosting a show. Dude, I'm like, I'm a comic for maybe three to four months and I find myself in front of 1200 people uh, trying to fill 20 minutes of material. I had maybe 10, if that, uh, realistically five to seven. So I'm trying to stretch it with crowd work. Um, I thought, you know, like it, everything just, you know, uh, in 2001, after uh, a month after 9-11, 9-11 uh, happened in, in September, October of 2001, I filmed Que Locos with Thea Vidal, Jim Pompa, Mike Robles, and Bobby Lee. And um, here I am, maybe two years into comedy, I'm on the freaking one of the hottest shows at the time that was on Galavision. Immediately I get invited to go on the tour a week after my episode airs. Uh, it was a, a fuck, it was literally like being on a roller coaster really quickly. Before I know it, I'm touring the country with Gabriel. I'm an open micer at best, no idea. I'm, bombing my ass off in, in Virginia, like talking about hoochies and cholos and all this crazy shit that they have no clue. They're looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? You know? Um, but it just, again, every door kept opening. Um, and fuck, 20 years later, I mean, here we are uh, on your podcast. So that, that's, that's my, that's a little bit of a, a I, I've been long-winded on everything. I thought, let me try to keep this <laughs> as freaking on track as it's, possible. It's cool. I mean, I, I, that is interesting because, you know, when Gina, because um, Gina's talked about you in our friendship, like, since the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, when I found out, like, 
that you started in your 30s. That makes me question, like, because I'm not a comedian, right? Like, I've never actually done what you guys have done from that first time you go on stage to just, like, the 50th. Um, but doing that in your 30s must be different than 17, 18, right? Like, who are you as a person? Is there something that you think um, was an advantage and a disadvantage, like, for you particularly? So uh, if I'm going to be perfectly frank, even though I was 30, my maturity level at that point had been stunned so much by my environment that I was as, as old as I was uh, physically at an age, mentally, I was dumb, so fucking dumb and sheltered. Um, it, the, the, the crazy part about it is that I feel like I grew up on the road. I feel like the road, the road raised me. And I think I speak for Gabriel as well, and I shouldn't, but that man was in 20 years old when he went on the road. I mean, he looked up one day, he's fucking 40. He spent half of his life on the road. Becoming the, I mean, that, that's really impactful. And, and I think for me as well, the things that I was exposed to by traveling, um, I'm glad that I did it in that, in, in the later point, part of my life. Had I done that in my twenties, had I had access to knowing open mics, do this, do that. And what was around at that time, I'd probably be dead as, as undisciplined as I was at 30 and the dumb shit that I did in my 30s, it would have been exacerbated uh, to the point of self-destruction in a way that I can't even imagine. So it worked out in my favor. Had I had any level of even a fraction of the success that I had in my 30s, in my 20s, I wouldn't be here to talk about it. I'd be fucking dead. You know what's crazy because if you know earlier you said um, that your dream was to be a rock star. Well, comedians are rock stars, right? So if you would have been that, you kind of would have lived up to your dream because you said your dream younger was to live that life. Yes. So in a weird way, you skipped that decade to save you. Like in a weird way, it saved you skipping yeah. that decade of doing comedy because you would have gotten your dream, but you wouldn't be here to talk about it. No. Yeah, no, for sure. You wouldn't have been ready for it at that time, like. I feel like when people, people start when they are meant to start. When it's your time, I guess, if you want to say via the universe, it tells you when to start. Because mm -hmm. you can have that plan for, for a long, long time until something finally, you know, lights a fire under you to actually go and do it. And that that moment happens when it's supposed to happen. You know, like there's people that started at 15, there's people that started at 35 and 40 and both can be very successful at the same time. They can both be up on the same level. You know what I mean? Depending, like people were, I remember when Michael Che first came on, people were looking at Michael Che like, oh my God, he's been in the game four or five years and he's already doing this, this and this. Like, yeah, have you watched him? He's amazing. Like <laughs> It's like, it's happening when it's time for him. It's not like, you know, he's not rushing it. Some people try to rush it, but mm -hmm. I feel like whenever someone tries to rush their success in that way, it never works out in the long run because they're so eager to get it without putting in the time and without going through the whole journey 
which is part of it. Part of it is going through that. Part of it is growing. It's why some of our favorite legendary comics, we watch them grow as people. We watch them change as people. And I think that if you're not willing to invest that much time in it, if you just want to get to the fame and the accolades and the money and the this, you're going to have a very short shelf life because just trying to obtain that kind of lifestyle, just trying to get, just maintain like that kind of success is insane. That kind of um, obsession with fame, which I feel like is where a lot of people think all entertainers are. And it's like, no, we're not all obsessed with fame. We're not all try out here trying to be the most famous person or the person you hear on the radio or the person that, you know, you fawn over every time, the person that can't walk down the street. Some of us just really have a passion for this and want to do it and want it, want to make money at it. Like we just want to make money at our passion. That's it. The fame doesn't come into it, but we've met, I'm sure we both met people that you're like, Oh, you're a fame addicted person. Okay. Like you can read that right away. Oh, you want this for the fame. You want this for the clout. Yeah, I, I think if you really have to love it in order to really enjoy it. And I think if I learned anything, uh, you know, you hear the, the, the saying over and over and it doesn't really make sense until you get it, you know, and, and people always say, enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, which is, you know, you said the journey. Yeah. You know, the destination, whatever that destination may be, doesn't fucking if you're only focused on that destination you're gonna miss a big chunk of what you're you're doing i remember once we got into touring and it became a machine like once it became like a corporate tour which it did you realize you look back at all the the grinding and all that you know all those late nights and all those clubs and all that and you're like holy fuck that was it that was the life. That was, that was the dream. That was, yeah. this here is different than what this was. And, you know, and, and again, you have to love this in order to really, it has to be a part of you. I've told many people that my whole life I've had crazy jobs for the first half of my life. I had all these different jobs that I hate it. And I'd call in sick. And I, and when I was at work, I'd do everything I could not to work, you know, and this is the only thing I've ever done where I've done it for free. I don't call in sick, no matter how shitty I feel, no matter how down I am, I've driven to do it for five minutes. I've driven long distances to, and again, for minimal or no money, because that's how much love I have for it. And if you don't have that kind of love for it, then you're in the wrong fucking... And then I think that goes for anything that you're doing. If you don't have a passion for it, then fucking find something that you do have a passion for. Yeah, I think that's what the thing about this career that you guys have. It is so passion-driven. Anybody, when they say that, um, what is it? Like, y'all guys have a, a time period of somebody who doesn't last past a certain part of their career. It's probably because they weren't doing it because of a passion. Now, some people have a passion for money and how they can figure out how to make money. So if they just happen to be funny, figured out how to make people laugh and then also make money, their passion is still like in the money-making aspect of comedy. Yeah, they, sure. You know what I mean? But when you have a passion for it, like that actual aspect of comedy, you can go through, like you said, the free show, like, cause you're doing it for something in you. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, people that, that have a passion for money though, 
with them, what happens is they might want to do comedy for a little while, but because you don't immediately make a lot of money with comedy, unless you hit that Kevin Hart fluffy level, they end up finding another way to make money through comedy. So those yeah. people end up being bookers or tour, sure. uh, tour managers or tour runners. Like they, they realize I can make money doing this. I don't have to be a performer because that's not bringing in the money that I want that satisfies whatever that money craving is for you. So you figure out what you can do in that business. And that is your passion. If making money is your passion, we need you too. We need you <laughs> to decide. Yes, I hope making money is somebody's passion because that's the person I want booking my tour. That's the person I want, you know, getting ready to sell my merch. Like I want people that are, that are you know, about that money. But it just depends on where your passions fall and being honest about where your passions fall. Like, yeah. where, where is it for real? And I think yeah. that a lot of times the people that are driven by money are people that have never had money. And mm -hmm. here's the other side of it is that what's, what's really interesting about money is that we put a ridiculous value on it. And the truth of it is that you can do the same lifestyle as someone with a shit ton of money with half of the stress. Mm -hmm. The money, we think that we need money to experience things, but we really don't. We could manifest our own world. A lot of people wait till they have a certain amount of dough before they begin to live their life. And meanwhile, your life is passing you up. You know, money doesn't define your, your uh, success. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up. They feel they put a monetary value on success. And that's a conditioning of our society that's told us that that equates to success. You know, um, we grow up being told, these are the boxes you have to check off. You will graduate from high school, you will go to college, you will get a degree, you will get married, you will buy a home, and you will have kids. And we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves and think that that's what we need to be happy. And we, and, and we strive for those fucking things. And a lot of people fall short of them. They're like, oh, fuck, I'm fucking this age and I haven't done this. I'm this age and I haven't done that. And they define their success and their failure by these fucking boxes that you're supposed to check off. Thank God for LSD telling me, fuck those boxes. You go live your life and fill out whatever boxes are going to make your ass happy. Because I know plenty of people that have checked off those freaking boxes. And it says a lot to their ability to manifest things. The problem is that they've manifested things that they were told were going to make them happy versus the thing that they want. And for some people, that is what they want in their heart. I feel that a lot of times what we think we want is what we've been told that we want. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Um, dang, we talk about so many great things. We talk about so many yeah. great things right now, but we're at our last segment for the show at this point. Um, 
But man, what a dope conversation it's been. Martina, I expected nothing, nothing less than an amazing conversation from you. I um, love you. You know I love you. I love you too, man. I miss you. I miss hanging out with you. I miss Cheeky. I miss everybody. Say yeah. hi to Hooter for me. I was, um, he was there earlier and he, I told him that I was going to be on. He sends his love. and so. Oh, that's amazing. I miss you guys so much. We got to do another uh, co-live together. So I miss, I miss all with you guys. Um, but the last segment of the show is a Dear Gina segment where listeners will write in and ask for advice and we give them our advice. We all take a stab at it. So I will read the question. I'll give my piece of advice and I'll throw it to you, Martin, and then to you, Catherine. So here is our Dear Gina for today. Dear Gina, my question is, how do you know if you found the right person? I thought my partner was the right one, but recently started to notice that she has uh, a major anger management issues and becomes abusive in the relationship. Okay, so I guess your question is if this person is the one, and the answer is no. Moving on. Uh, let me just explain to you, anytime in a relationship that's, that you can use the word abusive to describe somebody, that you can and honestly, without fear, say this person is becoming abusive in the relationship, check out, pack your things, run, get away. That is a toxic relationship and you need to get out of here. Abuse is not something I take lightly. It's not a term that I take lightly. If you feel like this person is abusive, I can 100% guarantee you they are not the one. You should not be made to be afraid in your own relationship. And people tend to just, you know, they use the excuse that, but I love this person, but I love this person. I don't necessarily know, even coming from an abusive relationship myself, do you love this person or are you comfortable? Do you love this person or are you afraid that you're nothing without this person? Like really examine what it means to love somebody. Because if you did love this person, if you did, then the best thing you can do for this abusive person is to leave so that they can better themselves and they can realize that they cannot treat other people like this and expect to stay in a relationship. And that's just coming from what I wish I had done after going through seven years of emotional abuse, wishing I had seen that in three or in two or week one and saved myself a lot of heartache had I been more honest with myself about why I did not want to leave and why I felt like I couldn't leave. So whenever somebody brings up, especially anger management issues, people with anger management issues, man, they are like a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. You know, that, that pendulum swings to abusive really quickly. From anger to abusive, it just goes real fast. Before you even know it, before you even see it coming. So I would say, uh, head for the hills, there's more fish in the sea, blah, blah, blah. You will find somebody, but this is definitely not your one and only. Martin, you want to take a stab at this? Well, first of all, I got to say that the fact that you didn't stick it out in your abusive relationship, you didn't pick up your cross, that it was to bear. Clearly, you are not a Proverbs 31 wife material, and that's glad that he got rid of you. Now, with that said... <laughs> Lord, really, really. <laughs> with that said, first of all, I have a problem with the language. When this person says the one, okay, immediately, that's a lot of fucking red flags. There is no the one. I hate to say this, my personal opinion, there's a shit ton of the ones. If you sit down and talk to people, you'll figure out how many the ones are out there that you connect with. We've been programmed to think that there's one person, our soulmate, our other half, our person that is going to complete us. 
I think that is extremely, extremely harmful. I was watching that show Love on the Spectrum recently. Mm. And you've got these guys dealing with autism and they're trying to date. And when they go out on these dates, you got to figure these guys have been socialized by television and movies. So they're out there and they're sitting there like, well, I want to find the one and I want to be in love and I want to feel that spark. I'm out here and I haven't felt the spark. That spark is, what the fuck are you talking about that spark? But these guys take it literal and they're looking for that spark and they're looking for that soulmate and they're looking, and I feel so bad and so terrible for them because they're chasing this invisible fucking dragon that does not exist. But we've been told that our other half is out there, that our soulmate is out there. Fuck off, man. You know, and there's, and if, and definitely not your other half, whether if, if, and if you do believe in another half, if it's an abusive person, be it a male or a female, uh, because they both can be abusive, I think you need to get the fuck out. Have the fucking realize that it's a big planet. It's a giant planet. You're going to find somebody that resonates with what you need, with what you want, with what you like, with, that's going to complement those things. It's not going to complete you. They're going to complement you. They're going to make you that much. They're going to make you a better version of you. You shouldn't expect that from somebody, however. That is your responsibility. And just like it's your responsibility to peace the fuck out if you're not happy. All this shit about stick it out and fucking work through it and this and that. Life is too fucking short. I'm, if, if it, you know, I don't give a fuck who I'm with and how much I love them. If I'm not happy, peace. High five. Thanks for the memories. And I wish you nothing but the fucking best. Thanks for the memories. Favorite line of the night. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. That is true. <laughs> That just real quick, I want to touch on you saying um, the, how the one is a very dangerous place to be. And I think part of the reason why that's a dangerous place is because you truly believe that there is only one. So that means when you meet somebody and you connect with that somebody, you start to believe that that person is almost like your property. Like you are my person and yeah. you are the only person that's ever going to make me happy ever again. I'll tell you a short story before throwing it to... Um, Catherine, there's two really short stories I want to tell. One is a piece of advice Martin gave me towards the end of my relationship. Um, this is the abusive relationship I was in. I remember we were on tour. Well, I wasn't officially on the tour, but I was joining you guys for a date in Vegas. And um, it was one night and you knew I was upset. You know, I had spoken to him before the show and I had been crying and it was the biggest show I'd, I'd done in my career so far. And you sort of let me know like, oh, he knew he was messing this up for you. Like he knew that he was messing up this moment for you. So you gave me a piece of advice where you said, next time you talk to him on the phone, stay calm. Whatever he said, don't let it work. Don't let him work you up. Don't let him upset you. Don't let him get to you and see how he reacts. Now, this was something I had never tried because he knew how to push my buttons. So, of course, he calls me that night and I stayed completely calm over the phone. No matter what he said, I stayed completely calm over the phone. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I said, you know what? If we got to break up, we got to break up. That's just how it is. And he went ballistic. When I tell you, I had never, it was like holding up a mirror to somebody that never seen their own face. He had never had somebody not be riled up, not be messed with by him 
And so I was, thank you for that piece of advice. And I always share that piece of advice with people who are dealing with specifically emotionally, emotional abusers, when they know they can gaslight you, when they know they can get to you, just don't give them that and you will see how they react. It's like they almost implode. It's unbelievable to watch how they fall apart. Another thing that was told to me, I remember when my ex got engaged and I found out and I was crying and I called my friend and one of my friends in New York and I was crying and he said to me very sweetly, like not in a messed up way, he said, you do realize that you're not upset. You're not upset because you love him. You're upset because you were with this man for seven years and someone else got the prize. Yeah. That's what you're upset at. You did the time. So sometimes you will put time in with somebody and feel like you're owed something when what you really need and what you really should be owed is your freedom and the, the ability to go out there and sort of save yourself from this clearly toxic situation. Because the minute he said that to me, I, I snapped. I go, oh my God, he's absolutely right. I don't want to marry this person. I don't mm-hmm. want to be with this person, but I put in the time. So it's just insane the way you, when you think about the breakdown of relationships like that. And I wanted to share those stories. Catherine, you go ahead, take a stab at this, but I feel like we're all along the same line. So two, two things to start, because um, you guys said so many great things that everything was like, okay, that made me think this, that made me think that. Um, first, you need a limpieza. I'm sorry, I'm telling you. limpieza. You need a limpieza, okay? Bravo. I know a lady. No, I'm not. <laughs> it can't turn up. She knows a lady. I know a lady. La señora vive en el Bronx. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, the second thing. Um, I love when you said uh, you're chasing an idea, right? The one is an idea. Most of the things that we have been taught as human beings are ideas. Um, very ideas that were successfully placed into society. So you got to give it up to whoever came up with that idea. But it's an idea, nonetheless, right? An idea for a reason, whatever the purpose is, whether it's to make us know, think that we have to have that, like you said, school, college, uh, uh, your fun 20s, you get married, you have your two kids, you have your dog. That's the idea. I think, though, that um, when you when you really think into yourself with this person, the question was so weird. What is the one? And then you literally admit it that they're abusive. So come on, unless you're someone who's super naive, you know the answer. So I'm more concerned with where are you personally? Like, why do you feel like you still even need to question this idea of, is this person good to me? Is this person good for me? That's what you should be asking yourself. So like, Unfortunately, people usually don't love themselves enough to start asking themselves those questions um, because we're also, you said it, we're conditioned to also then feel like I got to stick it out. That's a version of not loving yourself, sticking things out. So you're not loving yourself. Um, One thing that also helps me with almost anything is writing a physical list, pros and cons. A person gave me that after a relationship that was really bad. They said, I know it sounds weird, but pros and cons, put it on a list physically in front of you. And you're going to start to see on a paper, like, damn, that's kind of crappy. Then ask yourself the hard question. Do I want to be with this type of person? Maybe you don't know what you want, but you should know what you don't want. Point blank. You should know what is a no, a hard, no, thank you, sir. No, thank you, ma'am. If you don't have that answer, stop worrying about being with someone and worry about the kind of people you're going to continue to be with until you realize your limits. 
what's not okay for you and why it's not okay for you. Then when you meet someone, again, I don't believe, I think you're right when you say, nobody's going to be perfect, nobody's going to complete you. I don't buy into 50-50. I don't buy into, I bring 50, you bring 50. First off, I'm 100% of a person, so I don't bring 50, I bring 100. Are you 100% of a person? Because if you bring only 25, that's a lot out of my bank. That's a lot out of my bank, like point blank. So you need to be bringing 100, I need to be bringing 100, and we're not giving each other 100, like our 100. What we're doing is caring for each other the way we care for ourselves enough to sometimes you might be at 75 because something's happening in your life. That's when I give you a little bit more for that moment. Because as a human being, you need me a little more. But you can't need me more than like I can get to myself. Like you can't be pouring out of me. That's yeah. not okay. Are they doing that to you? It sounds like they're doing that to you. Doesn't sound like you're 100. That's it. You're not 100. That's how I think this, where this person is. And that sucks. But if you're okay with that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay with not being 100. Wow, Catherine, for shame. That's true. If you're okay with not being 100, that's on you. Look at that. I'm not going to sit here and school with us. I'm yeah. going to just be like, well, I, I know a lady. That's like my mom. Lady. I say this. I say this. That's what my mom always said with something like that. That's that's for y'all. Um, thank you, Martin, for joining us on the show. Before before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, you know, whatever projects you want to shout out, go right ahead. Uh, let's see. Uh, MartinMoreno.com is probably the easiest thing because all the links are there uh, to all my social media. Todo se pedo is MartinMoreno.com. Um, obviously there's no shows right now because of COVID. I know there's some people are out there doing it. I don't have anything booked. Me and Hooter, uh, also my son is Hooter Moreno. We have the Yo, Yo, Yo podcast where we talk about all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, we also, I also have a Spanish podcast called No Te Asustes, uh, which is all in Spanish. And it's, uh, basically we talk about shit that traditionally Latinos don't like to talk about because they get scared. And that's what Love we call that. it, no te asustes. Uh, you could smoke weed, you could drink, you can fuck, and Diosito is still going to love you. Um, <laughs> so that's what we, no te asustes. And uh, April, we have our first show that me and Hooter are doing that we've put up for sale, and the link is on martinmoreno.com. We are going to Baja, California. It's going to be on the beach. We are doing Winasso Fest 2021. Uh, and it is uh, the first annual Winasso Fest, uh, which <laughs> I guess it's not correct to say first annual. Well, fuck it. We do whatever we want. So we're calling it first annual. Uh, we're doing comedy. We're doing, we're giving people drinks. We're giving people hot dogs, which are Winassos. And we're also giving them tacos and a uh, and a thoughts and prayers miracle candle for whatever miracles they need in their life. So it's going to be uh, in Baja and we're going to party our asses off. Uh, it's the week after Easter. So uh, I know it's, it's a, a long ways away, but we've, uh, we've the tickets are already moving and that's fantastic. We feel blessed. Um, I just uh, shot a short uh, thing with uh, Falcon uh, pictures or films. 
called uh, Ghetto Busters, which is, is a, a spoof on Ghostbusters, but you know, instead of, they call the Ghetto Busters to stop people from being ghetto. Uh, so I just did a little cameo on that. And uh, again, that link will be up on martinmoreno.com when it's up. Other than that, uh, again, just my website and, and my podcast, uh, if you're not easily offended, because we do say a lot of fucking, you know, uh, crazy shit. But again, no te asustes, it's all love. Uh, thank you guys both for having me on. It was a phenomenal uh, uh, time hanging out with you guys. I know it's the Zoom world that we're in, but you guys made it feel like we were right here chilling, talking, having a conversation. So yeah. thank you very much. This was incredible. I expected nothing less than a great conversation, obviously. <laughs> Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. Um, on Instagram, it's at Mendoza. Um, that's at K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E G dot M-E-N-D-O-Z-A. On Twitter, it's at Kathy Grace 24. That's it. I don't give much else. I'm very simple. Here's the thing. If you ever listen to any episode, Martin, I have the shortest answer to this question, but I always forget how to spell my own name. So it seems like a long answer for no reason. And who forgets their own name? Like constantly. It's a very, very, very uh, Catherine G. Mendoza. It's a, it commands a lot of attention, man. Yeah. It with a yeah. lot of responsibility. I hope you know, Catherine, that you Your Instagram big... sounds very regal, girl. Very <laughs> regal. For sure. Like, I'm like, I got to go follow this fucking woman. Regal <laughs> AF. I'm Mendoza. How, how the fuck am I not following her? We're, we're, I'm missing out on some nuggets of wisdom here. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> I think it's also the fact that um, somebody said, I say my name, I spell it out like a jingle. Mm-hmm. So I literally say, she's always dancing. I'm always like K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. <laughs> I know how to say my name. So I think it's a little bit of that too. Well, guys, you guys know where you can find me. You can find me at Gbrion on Instagram. The website is gbriancomedy.com or .net. Uh, you can check out my special on Amazon, The Floor is Lava. Uh, also, Pacifically Speaking, which is my first special, is up on Amazon as well. And the Hot Comedy Fest is on HBO now for you to check out. Uh, you guys know I'd love to leave you with a piece of advice that my mom gives me to this day. When life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time. One catastrophe at a time, people. Martin, thank you again. Catherine, thank you. as always. Uh, all right, until next time, guys. Juices. Bye, everybody. Bye. Dios los bendiga. <laughs> yeah, do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my night cat. Right. Born killer. You a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.